We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. It's so good to hear that intro music again, isn't it? What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome into the first edition of the 2022-2023 KCSN live postgame show presented by the Kingdom Bar and Grill. Now, we're not at the Kingdom Bar and Grill right now. Could be in the future for another preseason game. You know, you got you to gotta stick around. You got you to gotta listen into KC Sports Network to figure out when we're going to be there. But I am joined by Craig Stout and Maddie Lane to break down the Kansas City Chiefs' first preseason game of the season. They drop it 19-14 to to the Chicago Bears. I know that we were all very heavily invested into the score. Um, if you were keeping track at home, I believe DraftKings had a minus three and a half line for the Bears on this. So... Uh, good line, good good odds makers there. So I'm going to send it to Craig. Craig, how are you doing? How does it feel to hear that intro music once again and be back talking about an actual football game? Oh, it's great. It is amazing that we get to do this. I mean, it was really fun. Like outside of an injury that we're going to probably get to here pretty quick. Man, that first half was about the most fun half of preseason football that I've seen in a long time. It was really good that we got eased into it that way. I'm ready to break it down, ready to talk about some of these guys, and I, it was good to see them out there. Maddie, my friend, what were your takes on the game? Listen, that that loss was crummy. <laughs> just, just crummy. It was a disappointing way to go out. Um, so, you know, would, I, I think it's time guys, uh, chiefs to this, right? First game of the year. It's time to go right into chiefs no, to this no, with no, Kent not no, here. No, Kent, Kent is not, Kent's in the chat, but Kent is not here. So we are not doing chiefs to this. I thought this would be, that, that's the reason I'd want to do it is because Kent wasn't here. So Tucker, you're kind of muted. Um, so we will continue on, uh, Craig, Rookie. first question. Oh, he's back. 
the Tucker is back. Did you want to chime in on the crumb jokes? Uh, maybe here in a little bit. Once I get over the fact that that was still that was Crumb's legacy right there. That was just legacy drive. He he crumbed it all away. But this this comment right here from J M Bond, let Kent on the show. We had to kick him off because uh, he was correct. You know, we just couldn't let him on. So. We're going to talk about plenty uh, about everything. We're going to take your questions on later on in the show because uh, we want to talk about what you guys want us to talk about. Uh, and I guess we should start off where everybody wants us to start off. Uh, Dustin Crum was 6 for yeah. 11, 18 yards, could not stop targeting Jordan Franks. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, don't stop there. Uh, Craig, I'm curious, where do you want to start off with this in this postgame show? What is what's the biggest storyline for you? Uh, the biggest storyline for me is some of the winners from from all this. And the biggest winner, I think, is Isaiah Pacheco. And you're going to look at his stat line. You're going to say uh, he had 11 total scrimmage yards, you know, and not much in the way of production there. But after Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who got the initial run with the first team there, Isaiah Pacheco was the next guy. And he stepped in. He looked good doing what he was doing. He ran hard caught a pass out in the flat, had good contact balance, set the Chiefs up for their first touchdown. And then he was pulled from the game shortly after that, signifying Andy Reid saying, I've seen enough. I don't need to see this guy out there anymore. That was a shocker to me. I figured we'd see Pacheco get lots of run, get lots of reps. The fact that he was pulled from the game without an injury, that is massive news for people who think that Isaiah Pacheco is going to contribute for this team in a big way this year, because Andy is telling you right there, I don't need to see more. He's going to be my RB two. We're going to slot him in pretty quickly here. I Man, I, the Isaiah Pacheco truthers have to be out <laughs> in full force after this, because that's that screams what they want to do with him. I think it was just the fact that how early he gets in the game as well, right? Like, it wasn't like they took very long to get to him. You get through Clyde Edzelaire, who's taking your running back one snaps. You then move right on. And then the next person up is Pop. Pacheeks himself comes in. He's the guy that gets the next look. Whether stuff, you know, whether there was a huge game or not doesn't really matter. You could tell that he looked like he belonged there on the field. And that's what you wanted to see, right? Like, that's what you wanted out of him. And then that helps his case. When you got past him, the rest of the Chiefs running backs did not exactly light up the field. Um, Ronald Jones, big whiff on a pass protection call as soon as he gets in the game, comes back when he does get a chance to make a run. He looked just very slow. He just kind of looked out of place. He, As everybody talks about Ronald Jones adding this layer of speed to this offense and he's faster than Clyde Zillier, he doesn't move like it. He looks big. He kind of looks like he's lumbering. I don't see the speed element, whether it's through videos at camp or like even out on the field. Derek Gore didn't look much better than, you know, than Rojo did. So like, I think Pacheco kind of has that RB2 thing locked up. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of a split with the veteran like McKinnon, but I think it's those two clearly fighting for it and everybody else is fighting for a roster spot. Now that you mentioned that, Maddie, uh, about Jerk McKinnon, I remember seeing him one time and it was on punt return. I don't really remember seeing him a whole lot, which might be a good thing, right? For if you're Jerk McKinnon, just to kind of slide by on this roster, especially if you talk about the days that Gore and both Ronald Jones had. Now, Gore did leave the game with, uh, with an injury. I believe it was a neck injury and, and he didn't neck return. Injury, so yep. we'll keep an eye on that and see how that goes. But yeah, Isaiah Pacheco, sometimes in these preseason games, you can tell 
a lot by what doesn't happen, right? Um, I think when when I talk about like running backs, and I started thinking about this talking with some of the buddies, is Josh Jacobs in the Hall of Fame game played a whole lot. Like that's weird. And if you if Isaiah Pacheco would have went out there and played a whole lot, we probably wouldn't have thought a whole lot about it. But he went out there and didn't play a whole lot. So it's all uh, very interesting. Uh, to see what's going on with uh, the running backs there. And and I guess we'll just keep it there with Ronald Jones. You know, Maddie, you touched on him a little bit. Um, it's also very hard to judge both Jones and Gore because of the offensive line. I see some stuff in the chat about the backup offensive line. They weren't great. Um, and I don't, that's not sugarcoating anything. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They were not very great as very hard to judge Ronald Jones based on, uh, you know, that, that offensive line. So what did you think about Jones, Craig? Yeah, I'm, <sighs> I didn't love it. Now, obviously, he's having to dodge guys as soon as he's getting the ball. Like, I mean, it, it does mess up some of your rushing lanes. It does mess up some of the stuff. But he didn't look good in the limited stuff that he did have, where he had a little bit of space. They gave it to him on a short yardage carry. You know, we we largely see him as a guy that's going to be able to pick some of that stuff up, and he wasn't able to pick it up. They had to turn to Michael Burton for that, who picked it up in typical fashion for Michael Burton. So you look at some of the things that you have seen from him in the run game and it didn't really show up it didn't really show up in the way that you would expect it to and then the known bad things of the pass protection were there as well so i i looked at this i mean with pacheco going out jet mckinnon you know not really getting a whole lot of run ronald jones got a ton of run ton of opportunities to try and really show that he deserved a spot on this team i kind of had him on the outside looking in going into this game I definitely have him on the outside looking in after this game. Like I think that they might just keep three running backs after this just because I don't I don't really see that he is so important that he needs a roster spot especially again as we've talked about time and time again when he doesn't play special teams. And I think the bigger issue for me is like I fully understand when the offensive line, the second string offensive line wasn't good. And then the third string was abysmal. I, it's a danger to even have anybody attempt to go out there and play behind whatever the Chiefs were fielding at the end of the game. It's It was that bad. The second string wasn't good, but it's also, it wasn't so bad that I don't think a running back couldn't shine a little bit. So if Ronald Jones, if Derek Gore were that guy, where they were going to be that dude, I think you would have seen them flash a little bit more. And for Ronald Jones specifically, my issue is more of just how he looks moving on the football field. He looks big. He looks a lot bigger than I think everybody pictures Ronald Jones in their mind when you think of him at USC. But then when you watch him move, it's very plodding. Everything he does is kind of a buildup. So yeah, maybe he's still fast, but he needs a little bit of a runway to build it up. He needs to come from a deep we don't have traditional single back set and really get going downhill to get some momentum. And that's not always what the chiefs are going to do. So when he's getting some of these handoffs working off of a counter, or he's getting some of these handoffs working out of the gun, he looks very stiff and very slow trying to get to the line of scrimmage. And I just don't think that that's the kind of running back the chiefs are going to be after. So I, his fit with the chiefs would be so niche that I don't really see the reason to keep him around when, as we've seen, Michael Burton is just as available and you know good at getting these short yardage things. If Ronald Jones has a couple more games, a couple more weeks of practice to really turn it up, but if he continues to move the same way, not even perform or you know produce at the same amount, but like just move the same way he does, I just see almost zero chance of him making the team. 
Got a couple more points uh, we want to make about the the backfield, but before we go any further, thank you all for watching and listening. Uh, make sure you drop that like, drop a comment. Let us know who you think is going to make the team in the comment section in the chat on, on the side, who you think is going to make the team out of the running back position. I want to know who you got. We'll throw those up on the screen. And we also got to mention these wonderful Charlie Hustle shirts that we've been wearing. Charlie Hustle is so gracious uh, to outfit us with all kinds of apparel here at KC Sports Network. And they got some really sweet designs. This is one of my favorite ones. It's an old school like Arrowhead look. They've got a whole bunch of Arrowhead ones uh, out now. So make sure to go check them out, charliehustle.com. Uh, Maddie, you made a really good point about Michael Burton. And that's I saw somebody in the chat bring that up uh, about Michael Burton. Is He is essentially run RB3 when you start to think about it when it comes to those short <laughs> yardage situations. And another guy that didn't really get brought up a whole lot, which is a good thing, again, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He had more snaps than Pacheco on the first. I think uh, our friend, my friend, uh, Connor Christopherson made the point to say, hey, you know, Clyde had more snaps than Isaiah Pacheco. Let's calm down. So he did. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't a, 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 a bad showing from Clyde. It also wasn't, you know, a, a wow. Look at look at Clyde go, which is probably a good thing at this point. Uh, so there's a lot going on in that backfield, especially with, you know, the fullback playing into it, Clyde and, and everything like that. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Go ahead, man. You you. Take I just, it. I just want to say, yeah. Like Clyde was very clearly like the starter. I don't think yeah. there's any, as fun as you know Pacheco was and seeing him get out there with that first team was good. I don't think there should be any doubt that Clyde Redzilaire is the starter uh, on this team right now. And when you really want to look, I believe it was the pass to Kelsey, or it could have been MVS a couple of plays later. But Clyde Redzilaire was in on protection. It was a you know six-man protection. He had to pick up a free blitzer, and he did a very good job. He did an excellent mm -hmm. job stepping out, squaring up, getting his shoulder on the blitzer. And that's something that we had some issues with watching Clyde Edzulaire, you know, later earlier on in his career. So seeing him pick up this pass protection rep, look good doing it, give Mahomes a chance to complete a pass downfield was was excellent. That's what you want to see. Yeah, he didn't get a show off a ton. I don't I don't even think Pacheco necessarily produced a lot or got I don't think everyone's freaking out about Pacheco's ability that he showed on the field. It was just the fact of where he was on the field in terms of when his snaps came. Right. Clyde's came even earlier. I think Clyde is very clearly your running back one right now. And I don't see that changing at least until, you know, we get deep into the season and then maybe things will adjust then, but I doubt it. So, I mean, you can go ahead and pin that one in, I think, at this point. Yeah, I think so too. All right. We, are, are we done with running back talk? Can we, can we move on to the passing game here? I think we, yes. I, I think we can move on to the passing game here. You guys, I, I don't know that we need to talk about the wide receiver position anymore as far as bubble guys. I think that they're going to keep six guys, and I think that Darius Fountain and Justin Watson lock, just pure locks on this team, and I think that there is a clear gulf after that. Uh, Josh Gordon didn't look particularly good today you didn't see much out of Corey Coleman you know there wasn't a whole lot else that you saw from any of the other receivers here meanwhile Justin Watson put together a really good especially in the hurry up there really good drive got open caught himself a touchdown Therese Fountain looked pretty good underneath but most importantly both of those guys were first choice special teamers we know that the first four are locked that's you know MVS Juju McColl and Sky Moore, like those guys are in. I think they're keeping six, and I think those are the six. And I don't know that there's a whole heck of a lot barring injury that could change that for me. Like, I think that group is just 
locked in. I'm putting it in Sharpie now at this point that they are going to keep six and it's going to be those six. I mean, I think so too. And and I talked about on, on uh, the KCSN update, I believe it was on Thursday. I talked about uh, the wide receiver group. This was going to be a really big game for Josh Gordon because I did think that there was a real battle for wide receiver six heading into today because I did think that wide receiver five was going to be locked down by Justin Watson just because of his special teams ability. And we all know the pull that Dave Tobe has on this team, on this roster construction. He was going to make it. If he can show, if he can show to be a, a decent receiver, it's kind of a layup for, I think, uh, for Watson to make this team. So I really wanted to see him show out and take kind of take advantage of that. But Therese Fountain stepped up and, and kind of did that. And he also has special teams abilities, which also very much helps uh, just to kind of echo what you're saying, Craig. Uh, Maddie, what are your thoughts on that kind of receiver position? Does it, does it make you feel better that it feels kind of locked up? Uh, yeah, I think we've gotten to the point where I, we all generally probably had an idea of what this room was going to look like. I think the first five guys with Justin Watson being the fifth guy, I think would have been the way that most people would have been hedging going into this game. It was nice to see Watson not only be the first of the guys fighting for these final spots to be the first one into the game, you know, playing with the second stringers and stuff like that at times but also going out and making the plays, being the guy that clearly looked the best. So, I mean, that just finalizes what I think we all probably already assumed. And then it comes down to, are they going to keep six wide receivers? And is it Powell versus Fountain? I was, I would assume it was one of those guys for their special teams ability. As Craig pointed out kind of before this, Fountain's out here playing special teams. Cornell Powell wasn't getting a lot of early special teams reps. He wasn't playing with the special teams unit, and that's going to matter. And then you add on the fact that Fountain arguably looked even better when they were out there with the offense. I don't see much of a hope for Josh Gordon or Corey Coleman here. Neither guy looked – or Jerry and Ely, who, I mean, I like the potential, but none of those guys really showcased anything. Fountain, we saw last year, and the preseason looked pretty decent for the Chiefs. This year, he kind of continued that. We know he's a quality special teamer like – I think a position that is usually a big battle for the Chiefs and Chiefs fans is everyone tries to get Kemp off the roster every year or your Frankie uh-huh. Hammond off the roster every year, whoever you want. I feel like for the first time, pretty early on, I think the wide receiver room is set for five or six guys. It's just a matter of how many is there going to be. Another room that's pretty crowded. I believe there were six guys listed on the first unofficial depth chart. Now, how much that unofficial depth chart means doesn't really mean a whole lot. Is that tight end room? Blake Bell does suffer an injury in this. It was a hip injury. Left the game very early. Didn't look good. No non-contact injury. Uh, so, so thoughts and prayers to him. Uh, but I thought Noah Gray looked well, or looked good. He didn't look well. I thought he looked good in, in the limited reps that he did have and in the, in the opportunities that he did get. He was catching passes, blocking well. Uh, I think that's that should be mentioned because he did kind of have the same trajectory, right? I talked about this on, on the same KCSN update of Jody Fortson kind of started camp up really high and, you know, just being injured. He His first practice was on on Friday or on Thursday. So he he's finally getting back. He didn't even play in this game and Noah Gray kind of seized his opportunity and Noah Gray continues to seize those opportunities uh, going forward. So that's exciting to see from Noah Gray. Uh, and I want to see Jody Fortson get back. And if you can go with your, with your tight end room, if it's Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray and Jody Fortson, I th- think that's pretty exciting. I think it is too. Um, we all threw Blake Bell in there because Andy right. Reid throws Blake Bell in there. Like he is clearly the chief's best blocking tight end and they like to feature him he had a really nice you know the the touchdown catch was really nice you know selling the block and then peeling off into the flat we've seen him do that before it's obviously a part of his game that really plays well with what he does so hopefully 
it's nothing serious. But if it is, then yeah, I think those are your three. I, I don't know that we've seen enough. That might be a move that you see the Chiefs add a guy after cutdowns if Blake Bell's not there. They clearly prioritize that blocking ability. But Jody Fortson has shown a little bit of that in the past. We'll see over the, you know, the next couple of weeks here. I think we'll see more Fortson, especially if Bell can't play. We're going to see a lot more Fortson to try and see if he can kind of pick up some of those spots that Blake Bell has been, you know, best at there. You know, so the real question is if Blake Bell's hurt, who's taking quarterback sneaks? Is it Noah Gray? Are they going to line him up under there? Do they trust him to do that? I mean, I, I don't know. Maddie, how did you feel about Noah Gray today? Yeah, I mean, he was good. He stepped in. Now, the thing with Noah Gray when he stepped in, though, he got to step in a little bit more into the quote-unquote Travis Kelsey-style tight end role, where they're not shoving him in line, asking him to – they're not asking him to be Blake Bell when he's out there, which is fine. You shouldn't. And in that role, he was fine. And I think that was the hope when you drafted you know, uh, Noah Gray was that he can be this backup to Travis Kelsey – not necessarily this complimentary tight end to play with him. So I do think he looked good in that role. It was nice to see him do that. The issue that's going to come up is if Blake Bell is going to miss any significant time, you know, for the beginning of the year, how do you fix that if you're the Chiefs? What do you do? Because Jody Fortson right now is not healthy enough to play. Noah Gray, Travis Kelsey, or Jody Fortson, like none of them you want to put into the Blake Bell role. The Chiefs, I like their tight end room. It's a good tight end room. But that's three guys, and I don't think any of them particularly fit what Blake Bell does as an inline blocker, as a guy that you want to bring in as you're going to take on a defensive end, as you're going to double team, you know, and then climb up to the second level as a blocker. So how do they go ahead and handle that? Is it just going to be Kelsey because he did it earlier in his career? Are they going to see if Jody Fortson's extra size is going to allow them to do that? I, I'm intrigued. I don't think that's where Noah Gray will thrive, so I hope they don't make him do it keep him to be as far off the line of scrimmage as you possibly can because that's where he clearly looks the best. Yeah, and before we get to the defensive side of the ball, yes, we're going to talk about the defense because Kent's not here, so we can do that. Nice. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. And make sure you drop a like and subscribe. Let us know what your offensive impressions were from this game in the chat. We'll throw some up there uh, if you if you guys have good ones, right? I'm not going to put bad impressions on there, but your good impressions of the offense. So, Craig, let's talk about this defense First nope, I'm hijacking this. I'm hijacking oh. this. We've gone 21 minutes and we haven't talked about the biggest storyline from this game. That's the future of football. Justin, Justin Reed, Reed, a real football player stepping in and taking a specialist. Yeah. Pacheco said he's coming to take a grown man's job. No, Justin Reed is coming to take all of these specialist jobs. You want to just come out here and kick a football, learn to play a real position. If you want to stick in this league, <laughs> says Justin Reed. Listen, I, I, I love it. There is a conversation that's going to air on KC Sports Network. It's with Dick Vermeil. Okay, I will say that. I'll put it out right now. Beyond the game. Dick Vermeil was on uh, Beyond the Game. That'll air on Monday. Uh, you can hear him talk about how he wanted to cut Kendall Gammon because he only did a one thing. He wanted somebody on the team to do multiple things. Uh, Darn so right. I listen. It's a it's an old school mentality, but I'm here for it. I'm here for that old school mentality. <laughs> All right. We're moving on to the actual defensive takes here, although I love it. Go. I absolutely love Justin Reed kicking that field goal. Um, I think we got to start with the defensive line. Uh, defensive line looked good against that Bears offensive line. Now, that offensive line for the Bears is bad. It is. Like, we'll, we'll be real. It, it is bad. But 
Chris Jones looked really good against that offensive line. Frank Clark looked a lot more explosive. He was definitely moving better, closing ground a lot better on a guy like Justin Fields. And then George Karloftis really popped. My goodness. Karloftis is who I kind of really want to focus on here. Got some run deep into the second quarter. Got himself a sack. Was able to really work hard, set a pretty good edge against those guys, was kind of a little bit of a, 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 a freight train against the run, just kind of running into the tackle and just kind of hoping to set the edge there. But I really like the effort. I really like the little bit of flexibility that we saw for him on the sack. He's cutting inside the tackle. And he's able to dip under, pivot all the way around, and chase Justin Fields down, or not Justin Fields. It was uh, it was uh, Trevor Simeon down from behind. That was good. That was really, really, really good to watch him work and see positive signs. That was one of the guys we talked about earlier this week. If he looks dominant against a second-team offensive line, you have to get excited. I think you can be excited, really excited about George Karloftis because of the work that he put in. He really made a little bit of a statement there. I think he's going to be a big factor on this defensive line all year long. And to see Frank Clark and Chris Jones look as good as they did as well, along with Turk Wharton, Colin Saunders, Carlos Dunlap. We saw positive things out of all of those guys. So with all of that there, George Karloftis may be that final piece to kind of help round out some of that pass rush. I'm I'm getting a little bit more excited about this defensive line now, Maddie. I Carl Loftus was great. I I think that's the guy I think we got to focus on at least to start with this defense. The top, you know, units there is yeah, a lot of what he did was still very similar to things he did at Purdue where he's essentially just running chest to chest with an offensive tackle and saying, you know, I'm more explosive, powerful, and I'm going to work harder than you. So it's just essentially overwhelms them. And that's what he was doing, especially against when he was seeing some reps against a little bit of reps against the first stringer. It wasn't this technical masterpiece. It wasn't a display of elite athleticism. It was essentially, I'm going to be kind of tougher and stronger than you, and I'm going to try to overwhelm you. And it was working. Like he was a problem with the way he was just coming out there like a bowling ball into the offensive tackle. And then I think you saw it. As soon as it switched over to that second unit for the Chicago Bears, he became nearly unblockable. And then that's where we get that sack where he does a really good job of, you know, getting the push pull with the inside swim move on the tackle that he knocked off balance. Like that move looked really good. It's just to set that up. It was just nonstop energy, nonstop momentum and strength. And that's the route for him to win at the NFL. And while you're trying to scout a player coming out of college, I don't know if you can rely on that to always translate to the next level. It looks like for Carl Loftus though, that is clearly a path that he can take to have an impact. And you like to see that early on. He's only going to get better, technically speaking. He's probably going to get better in terms of his movement skills at the NFL level. But bringing that ability to just physically overwhelm somebody with nonstop movement, effort, and strength, like that doesn't disappear. So it was really good to see that work, at least early on in a preseason game. And then give, like Craig said, you're now getting this guy to pair with Chris Jones across from Frank Clark that if you are going to send all your attention their way and he's lined up against your weak link, he's going to make you pay. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it was very exciting to watch him do his thing, right? You know, Maddie, when we hopped on before this, I was like, because you said, I'm going to watch George sack a couple more times before, before the show starts. And I was like, he is freshman George right there is what it was. It was <laughs> freshman George. It looked real good uh, using that power, using that motor. We've already seen a couple chats come through about George Costas. I've thrown him up about his high motor and that second effort. Uh, now that sack wasn't necessarily second effort. He just had a really good move there and, and beat his guy. But that's what you want to see. I know a lot of people on Twitter. I tweeted this out too. Half of Twitter, Chiefs Twitter was like, man, George Karloftis is getting absolutely cooked. The other half was George Karloftis is absolutely cooking, which I fall in the latter half. Uh, (laughs) That's just, you can't make everybody happy, right? But I think that the thing that comes down to it is that, you know, he was impressing and he impressed against second stringers. And people do like to point out if you're a glass half empty guy, you're like, well, these are second string D tackles. Yeah, he should be doing that against the second string offensive line. So that's good to see uh, him out there and doing really good things, uh, you know. I really thought Chris Jones played really well, but that's not a surprise, right? That's what that's what Chris yeah. Jones does. Um, he he, he worked the bad offensive long. line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did what he was supposed to do. That's a lot. Okay, this is a lot of like preseason. Do the things yeah. you're supposed to do, and then you're gonna be all right. You know, Clyde did that. We talked about on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of those guys on offense did what they're supposed to do. Guys on defense took care of business too. Willie Gay, I know uh, uh, Maddie will talk about his one run fit that we, he had was very good. Um, but <laughs> see, we didn't get, it was a very good run fit. Uh, there's just a lot of good things I think you can take from the front seven uh, of, of this Chiefs defense. Yeah, I think so too. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll back up to the linebackers there. Willie looks active. Willie looks mm-hmm. explosive. Willie looks good. You can tell that man really wanted to hit. He came out, you know, ready ready to fill downhill. Nick Bolton looked good, filling some of the interior gaps, forcing the running back to keep bouncing outside. There was a lot of good to be seen, not just in the first teamers there, but I like some of the stuff that we saw with some of the second teamers there. I, I think that Darius Harris had a very good game. And I think that he you might be able to kind of push him towards that linebacker five spot right now. I think Leo Chanel was there's there's a lot of positive indicators there. He doesn't look good in coverage, certainly doesn't. There was a lot of exposing there, but my goodness, his run fits are fantastic. Like it fullbacks will fear that man coming through the <laughs> coming through the middle of the offensive line there. He's scary to have to meet up with. And that's what we've seen on tape in college. So to see it translate to the pros is good. But I think the thing that matters the most, and I know that people were pointing out, oh, Leo Chanel's playing with playing deep into the fourth quarter. What's that mean for him and all that? They were trying him out with the green dot. They were giving him the chance to play Mike. He got to play Sam earlier on, got to play where he's probably going to play this season, that Sam linebacker role. They moved him to Mike at the end of the game because they wanted to get a feel for what it's going to be like to call plays. They want somebody that they can trust to do that, and they obviously feel like he can do that. That's a big positive thing for him as well, kind of like how we talked about Pacheco being pulled from the game early him getting those opportunities to be the mic and be the green dot as a rookie 
like we saw with Nick Bolton last year, is an extremely positive thing, regardless of how he played in that position. It's an extremely positive thing that they're trusting him to do that already, Matty. Yeah, it was. And it's the thing with Leo Chanel is he was looking, I don't want to say like great, but he was looking like he belonged when he was playing at Sam. Like he looked like he belonged yeah. out there. Yeah, he looked like a rookie, but he was a violent downhill run stuffing linebacker, just like we all kind of are expecting from him. And he very much looked like he fit in that role. It didn't look like the game was too fast. It didn't look like it was too physical. He looked like he was fitting in. Yeah, there's struggles in space. Yeah, there's struggles in coverage. That's kind of to be expected. So he did exactly what he was supposed to. But the next step, and I think we saw this with Nick Bolton last year when Anthony Hitchens was out, and I'm not comparing them to his players, but when Nick Bolton was playing as the mic, when he had the green dot and he was playing at the mic, there was a different level of decisiveness. And he almost seemed like he was seeing things a little bit clearer. It almost looked like Chanel, that was kind of happening for him too. When he was the one calling out the plays, he obviously knows the play he's calling maybe even a little bit better than when he's hearing it from someone else it was almost like he was playing even a little bit faster than he was when he was playing Sam. And again, not that he was bad. Maybe part of that was playing against backups, back backups, backups, but he just looked good. So now all of a sudden you have a guy that is carving out not only a potential starting role, but he can be your backup at another position because to my knowledge, none of the other younger linebackers that you think are going to be around for a while are getting those opportunities. That's big, not only for this year, but going forward. Like that makes there be a very clear role for Leo Chanel. And it's not like Elijah Lee, who you know, technically right now as a starter, did a whole lot that you would say, oh, he definitely had to keep starting over Chanel, whether it was Chanel being bad or Lee being good. No, they were about the same. So like that's still very much you know a competition right there. And yes, as Tucker said, while we're on linebackers, Willie Gay did make an absolutely excellent run stuff uh, coming off the backside of a play. It's, just, it's good to see. Sometimes Willie Gay makes great run fits. Other times he makes really bad run fits. It's a, it's a mixed bag. So you hope he cleans that up this year to stay on the field a little bit more often. It was nice to see him do that in this game. It got me excited. And then I believe we did have a comment um, from some JMB band or bond from Twitter or from Twitch, the Twitch as BJ calls it said that Willie is the most fun guy to watch on yep. and off the field. True. He, yes. There is nobody more excited than him on the sideline. Nobody. I made a note of this in the KCSN update on Friday of that. It seems like he's kind of taken on that vocal leader role ever since, you know, Tyron left and, and even on social media, he's been a little bit more, more vocally active and you can hear him when I'm out at camp, you can hear Willie, you know, William Frank and Chris are always the guys I'll, I'll chirping and everything like that. So it's good to see him kind of embrace that role. And I'm excited to see how he, kind of works into that role. And another question I was going to ask you guys about the linebackers was Elijah Lee, Jermaine Carter as well. I know that some people I saw on Twitter were a little upset that Carter was getting uh, the reps before uh, Leo Chanel was. Listen, it's all right. Uh, it's yeah. week one. It's preseason week one. Uh, so what did you guys think? I know, Maddie, you touched on Elijah Lee a little bit. Uh, Craig, what were your thoughts on Elijah Lee? I thought he was fine. Like uh, like Maddie said, he he was fine. There was a a little bit of of an issue with him getting you know passing guys off to the deep safety, passing yeah. Brian Cook on a big play that was there. But that was kind of everybody with <laughs> with the second and third team safeties. There was a lot of issues passing from that apex role that he was playing in that and that different or in that coverage look. But other than that, I, I think he looked fine. He stacked a couple of offensive line. He, he got blown off the line a couple of times. He looked like he moved with purpose. He saw the game well. So that that's good. Jermaine Carter, 
also looked fine. I think I, every time that people see him, I think when the Chiefs first added him this year, there was a lot of talk about, oh, he's a smaller guy. You know, maybe he's going to be in the dime. Maybe that's going to be the case. It's definitely bulked up. Definitely put some yep. some mass on him so that he can you try and play. And... Big and sluggish to me. I... Yeah, yeah. So and this isn't fair because you're comparing these guys to Willie Gay and Leo Correct. Chanel, who are very athletic. Correct. But Super watching athletic. Jermaine Carter, Elijah Lee, <laughs> you know, just move around. They look slow. They look yeah. slow compared to the the other younger, super freak athlete, explosive linebackers. Like that was my only other take on this. Was that yeah. Carter? especially wearing 53 looked a little sluggish and a little slow <laughs> compared yeah, flashbacks to, the other to last year, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, yeah but... pretty much. So let's, let's that... move on to the, to the secondary. If you guys are, if you guys are good with yeah. the linebackers, uh, Micah Hayes, he asked this question here. Uh, are you worried that we are still having problems defending 50, 50 high throws and jump balls? There was a play early on uh, where Joshua Williams looked like he didn't quite play the ball right. Lind ended up at a big play for the bears. Wasn't the only time that happened. Legereus Sneed kind of misplayed a deep mm -hmm. ball as well. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh... It, it, regarding the Legereus Sneed one, Juan Thornhill pulled up two or three steps before. I think if this is in the regular season, he's finishing through that. But that's one of those that it's like you don't want to accidentally sandwich Legereus Sneed's hand between a helmet or something like that at this stage in a preseason game. I think in that one especially, as Legereus Sneed was carrying him towards Juan Thornhill, I think that Juan's going to play that a lot different the regular season. Again, that's just my opinion there. But Joshua Williams, we've seen this in some of the training camp clips. We've kind of seen that on the tape, seen some of the stuff with him. He does. He has a little trouble finding the ball, you know, kind of a la early in his career, Traverius Ward, find, struggling to find the ball a little bit. He's in good position. He's a long guy that's very difficult to throw over. He was in great position on that. It was a hell of a catch that the receiver had to make, basically out of bounds that he had to haul yeah. that ball in. But that being said, Joshua Williams is looking at the ball, looking for the ball, and he's unable to get his hand on it. And you want to see that progress. Again, this is this is a D2 rookie coming into <laughs> his first real NFL live action here. I thought that he looked pretty good filling. I thought that he looked pretty good pressing. And I thought that he looked pretty good staying in the hip pocket of most of the Bears receivers. Not a murderer's row of receivers there, but you do want to see him play the ball a little bit better. So yeah, the 50-50 stuff. Yeah, you you hope that improves as he, you know, kind of goes through that. We've seen Trent McDuffie improve in training camp. Wasn't really targeted. Wasn't we didn't really get a good look at Trent right. McDuffie because Justin Fields didn't want to throw his way. So, uh, you know, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson a little bit. We saw some instances where they didn't play the ball particularly well in some of those spots. Watson had a great PBU, but I, I do think that there is going to be a little bit of growing pains there. But that being said, if you are forcing receivers to come up with those kinds of passes, that is a better situation, even though you're hoping that they can learn and grow from that. That's obviously part of playing defensive back. That's a better situation than guys running free and guys running open like we saw with some other reps. I think this is something you've clearly seen, whether it's offensively or defensively or a combination of both the Chiefs work on during training camp. There's been a lot more sideline throws that have been jump balls for whether that's Mahomes or whoever the quarterback is getting used to throwing them, whether that's for the receivers getting used to catching them or the defense having to defend something that has given them some issues in the past. Like they've clearly been working on this. So yes, it's definitely still an issue. But the thing now is, 
This is all new guys. Like the only holdover from last year was Legarius Sneed, and now he was one of the guys that maybe, I don't even want to say misplayed a ball. He just didn't make the right particular play on it. Um, I'm with Greg. I do think in the regular season, there is a chance as long as Thornhill sees the ball too, he can absolutely play it differently. And he probably does, but it's something the Chiefs will still have to continue to work on. And, you know, Joshua Williams is a rookie. He's a rookie that played against not division one, not power five <laughs> players all the time. You know, you can tell at times he's playing from behind. He's trying to catch up. He's trying to just stay in position and that's making him late to play the ball because he's still working on it and thinking about playing in the right position and catching up with these better athletes. So like, it's all there. I think it will get better as the year goes on. It's something I think we have seen emphasis on this camp period. So I like that. Uh, before we wrap up the second, I was going to say everybody here, we appreciate it. Thank you guys for stopping in, hit like, hit subscribe, but now's the time. If you guys have questions about the game, start throwing them in the yes. chat. We're going to wrap up the rest of the secondary, but as long as we have some to work through and we're done, we're taking your guys' questions. So anything you have from the game that the Chiefs just played, send them our way. Uh, I want to ask Tucker, did any of the safeties jump off the screen to you? It's, it's a weird position to watch for a preseason game. Was there anything from the safety room, though, that kind of caught your attention in this one? I think Brian Cook is an easy answer there. Um, I think, but my, maybe not necessarily... I thought he played well on special teams, which also helps him when in terms of of being on this roster. Uh, Craig mentioned, you know, before we hopped on, there was a couple of communication errors, and that's going to happen early on, especially with a young team, uh, with some young safeties out there. I, when it comes to the defense, I've said this to to somebody. I can't remember if it was on air or or what. I've talked to a lot of people about the Chiefs. Um, so I think that there's going to be, as Craig mentioned, growing pains for this defense. And, and I just want people to be prepared for like maybe the first three, four weeks of the season. They're not going to be, you know, a lockdown defense. And maybe, maybe that, that probably won't be the case because they have a really hard schedule too. Um, and they're also dealing with a bunch of rookies, a bunch of new guys. Uh, maybe Rashad Fenton gets thrown into here, but then you have Rashad Fenton getting thrown in there and he doesn't have a whole training camp under his belt. He just, he just recently came back. So there's a lot of uh, questions in terms of that secondary going on. Uh, but safeties wise, I mean, I thought Justin Reed did play well. He and I think the first play of the game was like a man to man play, and he came down and made it and made a good play. Um, one Thornhill. There's a lot of talk. I've got one of my one of my best friends is a Bears fan, so he made sure I heard about Juan Thornhill uh, hitting Justin Field uh, on that uh, on that slide. That should have been a, a penalty. It probably should have been. I mean, just for just for the sake of it, but. I did think Juan Thornhill played well. I'm excited to see what Brian Cook can do and develop. Like like I mentioned on KCS and Update, I think that this game was very much a baseline for a lot of these rookies. So if you see them get better from here, I think you can live with the baseline of, of what Brian Cook showed uh, from today. And, I, and just going from there, I think that there's there's a lot to be excited about with, with what he can contribute to this team, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but in the special teams way as well. Yeah. I Brian Cook is just going to take a little bit of time. We saw yeah. it in camp. We saw it in this game. I like the the physical nature that he plays with. I mean, it, he was there in the third quarter. He was still getting some reps, especially in the goal line situations there. Steve Spagnuolo definitely wanted to get him some goal line reps, mm -hmm. and he filled the run really, really well. You know, he was part of the stop that happened. Leo Chanel got kind of the credit for that, but Brian Cook was in on that stop as well. I liked Justin Reed very early in the game on a run play coming downhill and blowing up an offensive line. Absolutely. They depleted him. So, I mean, like you, you see, and I think the, now that we're kind of talking about the safeties defense as a whole, the, 
the way that this defense played and finished each rep, I think, was a positive thing. We've seen some instances over the past three years of these guys not finishing tackles, not being able to bring guys down, not being able to do what they need to do when they do fill aggressively. And there was none of that. Like, I mean, there's a couple of times where guys got juked out of their shorts. Uh, DiCaprio Boodle and Jalen Watson had one on the outside that was, that was frankly bad. But, like, it's good to see Justin Reed come up and make a hit. It's good to see Leo Chanel fill and make a hit. It's good to see these guys wanting to hit and wanting to bring guys down. And it's such a positive thing. It jumps off the screen immediately, whether it's defense, whether it's special teams, whatever. It just jumps off the screen immediately. It's like this team is playing with a different physicality. Now, there's still going to be mistakes. There's still going to be errors and things like that. But it, it makes you wonder, just preseason week one and everything like that, but it makes you wonder if that physicality, that, that ability to bring guys down a little more, we're going to see more third and longs like we saw in the first drive chris jones able to get a sack because people stepped up people hit well people wrapped up brought guys down you know it's not you know four and five yard gains it's one yard gains now and that's such a positive thing and it makes these vagnola's lives so much easier when you're putting guys in the right spot and they're making it so simple but it's the case it, it just seems like that with this team I think it's time to I think it's time to get some questions. I think I think it's time to get into some of these questions. Now, I Tucker, I'm gonna make your job hard because I'm gonna make you go find this one. But Micah Hayes has asked this a few times since we've been I got there, it. So I do want to I, got okay, it I do want to talk exactly should Darian Kennard be moved to offensive guard? Uh no, I don't think so. I don't think one preseason game or whatever we've seen from camp is enough to jump to that conclusion yet. Um, yeah, he didn't look great when he was out there right now. But he didn't look ter- he was not the worst offensive lineman in there at the end of the game. He wasn't the worst offensive lineman in there playing for the Chiefs in the second half. So, like, you've got to give it some time. It's not like the Chiefs have significant better options at offensive tackle. It's not like Garen Christian or I mean, it's not even like Andrew Wiley was playing great. I don't even think with the starters. It's not like Garen Christian or Roderick Johnson were lighting it up when they were in the game either, right? So I think Darian Kennard's fine to stick at tackle now. If you have to make him transition to offensive guard later on, sure. Like have at it then if you get a year or two down the road. But I don't think there's a reason to move a guy now just in case you end up never needing him at guard and there's a chance he could play tackle in the future. Yeah. I, he, what what round was he picked in? Was he seventh? Sixth? Fifth. 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 I was close. I knew I, I was just going to work <laughs> myself back. I knew it was a day three pick. But I think that that's really interesting, too, when you talk about uh, a canard. If you move him into guard, you're putting him at a position that has a couple of pretty established guys already at guard. So if you're looking for a future with him at guard, it's going to be a while before he would see the field. Now, I don't think he's going to see the field very much this year, barring injury. But I think that you almost put him in a worse position if you do move him into guard positional wise. And, and you know, Andy's going to play the five best guys wherever they can play. Andy likes that uh, versatility, both heck and Reed like the versatility on, on the offensive front. So I think that that is really, really interesting with, with where you play him at. I mean, I, th- I think he's a tackle. I think he'll, I think he'll be good there long-term. This is, this is preseason uh, week one, but uh, before we get on to the uh, next question, AJ says he's a big fan and we're great. So uh, I appreciate that, AJ. Thank That's you AJ. very much. Thank you for watching. Uh, this one's from Jeremy Green. 
Uh, why can't CEH get those one to get first down carries? I I think this is like, like the short third and short, stuff. yeah, short yardage yeah. carries, yeah. I yep. it's interesting. They don't seem to trust uh, the running backs to get those yeah. looks. I I thought Clyde looked fine. I you know I I thought I think that generally he does a good job of keeping his legs moving, keeping his head down. He's obviously hard to see in some of those scenarios, but. He's not a guy that's going to run through a ton of trees. You know, if you got a whole bunch of 300 pounders in that situation, he's just not a guy that, that is going to be able to. It's not his physical right. makeup. He does stay on his feet well in open space. That's not his forte. So I think that that's part of it. I think that's why part of the reason why all of us looked at Ronald Jones and went, I can see an avenue in some of those scenarios where they might want a guy they can play a little more behind his pads and run through some of that stuff, but obviously not the case. He got that rep, not the case. So Michael Burton just kind of ends up being your best guy. I mean, if you know the runs coming anyway, if you're expecting Clyde Edwards Hilaire to line up behind a fullback and get the run anyway, why not just give it to the fullback that you know is going to get the the one yard every single time? Like I, I'm fine with it. It makes sense. You can play off of it a little bit more and kind of maybe get Clyde on a pitch or something like that. There's ways to get that into space. But at this point, I just think that Burton's such a solid short yardage situational back that you can you just lean on that at this point. Yeah, uh, the Chiefs run game is just, it, it's interesting because when you watch them, even if it is a third and three or a second and three and they try to run for a first down, it doesn't just go very well when they do their <laughs> runs. And it doesn't matter what they do. It just doesn't seem to go well. Creed Humphrey seems late like to pick up a block. Trey Smith gets beat. Orlando Brown doesn't close down fa- down block fast enough and a guy slips through. Just, it doesn't matter who it is. Just somebody who's a good player just happens to just miss a block every time. And I don't know if it's being slightly elongated, if it's guys that probably aren't the best moving laterally to make these blocks being asked to move laterally for some of the zone running stuff. I'm not sure what it is, but it's been that way, you know, since last year and this year. But then when all of a sudden you want to go with this fullback trap or ice or whatever you want to call it, and everyone's quite literally just shooting off the line of scrimmage straight ahead to whoever's there, it's it's money. It works every single time. And what they ran it, I believe it was like 12 or something times last year. I want to say on like 10 of them, they got more than what they needed for the first down because it was just blocked really well. It's strange to me that they can't just run the same blocking scheme, but run it through a halfback <laughs> run to pick up the same amount of yards. I don't get why they just simply can't do it. If it's the offset nature and the way the trap is working, if it's that Burton is just lined up so close to Trey Smith, blowing somebody off the line of scrimmage that they run it behind yeah. him and it works every time. <laughs> I don't know, but it it's work. It's guaranteedly works, and I'm making using this word again, a made up word. It guaranteedly is going to work every single time. Don't stop. Like we don't need the half. You don't need Pacheco, Ronald Jones, Clyde to do it. Just let let Burton do it. Let him make his money. That's that he's getting paid for <laughs> that right him. there. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's on well the roster. <laughs> no, I think I can't wait to see the Andy Reid trick play off of the fullback dive fake though. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I would run that all Madden all the time after you set that up a few times. So I think that that that's really what we're uh, cooking towards right here. Uh, I I like this question right here. This is from Longmorn sixteen. Is Lonnie Johnson headed for a fight for a roster spot? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. I think so. And the fight might be over already for all we mm. know. I not seeing Lonnie Johnson until the late third, early fourth quarter 
behind all of these rookies. We know that Spags takes a while to get rookies integrated into his scheme. It's not something that he loves to do, especially in the secondary. And the fact that Lonnie Johnson is not getting reps over Jalen Watson, Nazi Johnson, you know, it, Joshua Williams, we know because he's running with the ones. DiCaprio Boodle, like all of these guys were getting reps before Lonnie Johnson. That doesn't that doesn't really bode well for him. I, I don't think that, that that's a positive indicator for him. You know, we talked about Leo Chanel playing in the fourth quarter. There was a reason why he's playing in the fourth quarter, a very specific targeted reason. I didn't see one for Lonnie Johnson. And I, I think that's bad news for him, Maddie. I think so. I think there was a little bit of hope that when he kicked over here to Kansas City, you would it would come back, you'd get that early career, early NFL career, Lonnie Johnson. There was a little bit of hype. There was a little bit of promise. And it just doesn't seem like it's taken hold. And the weird thing is when you, when you watch this game or you see clips at training camp, he never just looks bad. He doesn't look bad. It's just he never particularly looks good either. He's going to give up, you know, maybe he'll get targeted in practice. Maybe he'll get targeted three times, give up two catches, not for a ton of yards, but he's also not making any plays on the ball. I don't, it's just weird. He just seems there. He seems like a jag of all jags right now at the cornerback position. And when you're in the Chiefs' shoes where you have invested so much in that position lately with so many young guys that maybe are less consistent, but are flashing the ability to be really good to go along with when they're losing it's going to make it really hard, I think, for Lonnie Johnson, who is pretty much an outside press corner only in this system, to get that roster spot over a guy like Joshua Williams, who's shown some promise, or Rashad Fenton, who's coming back and has been in the system. Like, if he's making the team, who's he booting off, Tucker? Oh, it's a crowded room, guys. Yeah, I know. He's got to move. If he's going to make it, who has to not make it? Like, which outside corner is not going to make? Because I, I assume you're looking at Fenton, Joshua Williams. It's got to be Fenton or Joshua Williams, I think, are the ones that have to not make it. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. yeah. Unless I mean, the only other way is if they start feeling okay with somebody besides Boodle being your second team nickel, and then maybe he can be the guy to go for Lonnie Johnson. But I don't know who that's going to be because it's been Boodle every single time so far. Right, and I think I was just looking at the depth chart. Um, I know it's unofficial and nothing really matters from that, but it's still something to look at um, and give me a reference point. I, I just don't know if, he, if he's proven that he can outplay those guys in front of him. I don't, I don't think he. I don't think he's making it personally, so the, which yeah. which kind of stinks because like you traded for that dude, and uh, and yeah. then you're you traded like, you traded a nothing asset for that dude for fair. what it's worth, but you know. <laughs> that's fair but yeah that's it's gonna kind of gonna come kind of come down to the same thing with ronald jones like you you sign that dude in free agency now only half of his uh, money's guaranteed but still that still stinks um let's see i had a i had a question here i lost it oh yeah here we go the iowa state fans want to know maddie they want to know missouri avenue thoughts on mike rose after game one this question has been asked more than once <laughs> Fine. Um, okay. Comparing him to Leo Chanel, another rookie, I think the game is moving a little faster for Mike Rose than it is for Leo Chanel. He looks like he's playing catch up a little bit more frequently. And I'm sure a lot of that's with the fact that at Iowa State, he rarely, if ever, played in the box. The Chiefs are asking him to play in the box now. And you can see him 
working through the traffic, trying to process everything and make things happen. So like, yeah, there's definitely a learning curve there. He didn't look like he doesn't belong on an NFL field, but I also can't say that he showcased that he looked like he definitely needed a starting or a spot on the 53 man roster right now. What he does have going for him though, if he's dropping in zone, he's very good zone dropper. Like he, when he's dropping into zone, he's good. He has good eyes. He has a good understanding of space. He knows how to make a play on the ball. I think you could see that even in his preseason game. So he's going to have to be a standout on special teams, which I don't recall seeing seeing him, or at least he didn't make a play on special teams in this one. He's going to have to be big on special teams over the next two games and the weeks of practice, I think, to make this team. But the good news is, I think there's a little bit to work with. If he doesn't make the team this year, you hope you stash him on the practice squad and he's a guy that becomes your Darius Harris or your Elijah Lee of the future after a year on the practice squad and you know waiting for some of these veterans to move on. I think, I, I mean, Darius Harris clearly looked better. I mean, and and then you're sticking with kind of some of the rest of those guys that we've talked about already. I like the promise, though. I, I, I like the tools that are there. I, I would be fine with keeping him on the practice squad, especially obviously got in the way of one of those passes. Plus, he wears a neck roll. We don't see enough mm-hmm. neck rolls right now. So uh, For a non-box player, like what is happening non- here? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Love it. Love it. Good. He, yeah, I'll tell you what, keep the neck roll, buddy. Uh, Wink Wendell brought this up. Stallworth came to play today. Him and both Colin Saunders would be remiss if we didn't mention yep. those two guys. They did play really well. Um, he was the last guy on my list we didn't talk about. So I get to throw the check mark on there. So I guess that <laughs> means the show's getting pretty darn close to over. Uh, Maddie, anybody on your list we didn't talk about? I, I don't think so. I think we touched most of the guys. Let me let me consult the list real quick. Um, oh, so here's the thing. Shane Michel, I don't think, looked good. He had a nice mm. play. for The, t- the touchdown pass yeah. was very good. The rest of what he did was really bad. The problem was Dustin Crumb was even worse. So for anybody that was hoping for a QB3 battle, I don't I don't think there's going to be there. The, it just Dustin Crumb did not, he did not seem like he was about it. That was really the last thing I think I had. from. Oh, and this, I agree with Stallworth. As good as we think all these players for the Chiefs defensive line were, somehow they did not seem to impact the game near as much as the Bears defensive line did. And I think that's mm. not a knock on the Chiefs players. That's just letting you know how bad the Chiefs offensive line was after the starters left the game. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't good. They just really weren't good. And I'm looking forward to seeing this defensive line against, you know, next opponent coming up next week. I I think if they look good again, I'm going to start legitimately getting a little bit excited about the defensive line and the depth. So, hey, looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing, uh, you know, new additions that are coming into it as well. So, be good to see it will be good to see and you can see these two guys on monday as they go live uh talking about uh the chiefs they do talk about the chiefs uh they they'll have their show the casey laboratory with kent swanson i won't be here i'm not i'm not on the casey laboratory kent swanson usually there uh for the casey laboratories make sure you subscribe so you don't miss them going live on monday night at 8 p.m uh we will be they will be there as well. So thank you guys for tuning in and watching our postgame coverage of the Kansas City Chiefs first preseason game. They do drop it 19 to 14. Uh, nope. Don't panic Chiefs kingdom. It'll be okay. Um, it'll be all right. So appreciate you watching. We'll catch you again later. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business like that. Let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live that we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set that counted up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. 
and that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.